Tenekoto, Nomai, Hairamai. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Walk in the Shadowlands podcast. Let me be your guide as we take a walk into the realms of the unexplained, of the paranormal, of things that go bump in the night and haunt your dreams. I'm Marianne. Thanks so much for joining me today, tonight, whatever time it is, wherever you're living in this beautiful world of ours. Sit back, relax, let me be your guide as we walk into the Shadowlands together and see what awaits us there. Kia ora, hello everyone and welcome back. If you're new to our podcast, thanks for listening in. The S-She, have you ever heard of that term? Perhaps you may have heard of them by any of the other names they are sometimes called. The Irish and Scottish people often use these terms, the good neighbours, the fair folk, the folk or simply them. Or you may have heard of them called the Fae, the fairy folk or simply fairies. In New Zealand, the Māori name for them is Patuparehe. There's not a country in the world that does not have a version of the wee folk. I've already done a couple of episodes, actually three, on our New Zealand version in the first season of our podcast. The first was the Patuparehe, followed by a conversation with Gary Cook, in which he shared people's encounters with these beings in New Zealand and his own encounter. And finally, one woman's scary encounter with the Patuparehe in a forest encounter. And actually, in our last episode, South of the Border, with my lovely guest Robert Bitto, we talked about the Elush, which are the Mexican version of one variety of the fairy folk. People already aware of the Fae, at least having heard of them, may consider them merely a myth or a legend, or buy into the Disney version of fairies as little people who have wings and fly around like Tinkerbell from the Hook movie, played very ably by the actress Julia Roberts. At least, that is the way that most media would have us see the Fae, but is that an accurate portrayal of these elusive beings? What do you think? Do you even believe they exist? Do they exist? And if they do, why don't more people see them? Importantly, are you prepared to walk with me into this part of the Shadowlands and see what awaits us there? Then let's begin. In this episode, I have a wonderful guest, a gentleman a down-to-earth farmer, Pat Noon. Pat owns a farm in Ireland, and I heard about him through one of the members of my Facebook group and about the fae that he lives with on his property. So I did some research on him, and I found that his farm and the fae on it were fairly well-known in the UK. I decided to track him down as I felt, after doing all this research on him, that he would be really interesting to talk with, if only to get the Irish version of the fae. Pat is a very down-to-earth man who loves his land 
and everything, including the Fae, that share it with him. He's not pretentious and was very easy to talk with. It wasn't easy to record our conversation because Pat was only able to speak via his phone and the connection was a bit sketchy at times because of where he lives in the country. So I apologise in advance for the places where it is. I've cleaned up the audio as much as I'm able to, not being an audio engineer. Most people, even if they don't know much about the Irish culture, have definitely heard of the Irish belief in the fairy folk, leprechauns and the banshee. But they may not know much more than that. So before I start the conversation with Pat, let me give you a bit of background on some of the aspects of the Fae in Ireland. The Eshi is the Irish term for fairy folk. In the Irish language, Eshi means people of the mounds. The mounds are known as Sid. The Fae are said to live underground in these Sid, or in a parallel reality that coexists with our one. And in our conversation, you will hear Pat refer to the Sid that he has on his property. In Irish literature, the people of the mounds are also called Darwin Sid. In Scottish mythology, they are called Daoin Sith. So they are known by many names, variations dependent on where in the country you are at the time or what country you are in. The Eshi are described by some as stunningly beautiful, although they can apparently also be terrible and hideous. Some are said to be shapeshifters, and stories of these wee folk, as I mentioned earlier, can be found all around the world. The Essi are often given offerings like milk and honey, and great care is taken even today to avoid angering or insulting them. They are fiercely protective of their homes, whether that is a a Sid, a fairy ring, or a hawthorn tree, or even a body of water. In Irish mythology, they are believed to come closer to the human realms at dusk and dawn, but not generally during the day, similar to what some here in New Zealand believe as well. There are many traditional beliefs associated with the Fae and human interaction with them that would almost take another episode to go through them all. But even as recently as 1999, there was an incident that showed how seriously the Irish society generally takes the belief in the Fae. In County Clare, in the west of Ireland, there was a town called Latoon. The government was wanting to put a new motorway bypass through this area, but there was a fairy thorn tree, white or black thorn tree, that stood in the way of the bypass. Apparently this particular tree was a marker tree in the Fay walking path and was the rendezvous point for Kerry fairies on their way to do battles with the Connacht fairies. There was a huge outcry from those who believed in the Fay, warning of possible deaths and disasters that would strike if this tree was destroyed, particularly on that stretch of the motorway. So because of this outcry, they redrew the plans for the motorway and curved it around the tree, leaving it where it stood. This made the news in Ireland and was reported in a number of local papers. That's how seriously this is taken in Ireland. So, with this little bit of background on the Irish Fae, I would like to introduce you to my guest, 
We could start at the beginning, and maybe you could tell my listeners about about your farm and your family history. Right. Well, I come I come from a little a small farm in the west of Ireland. It's a mixed traditional farm. I live in a place called Galway, and uh, we have a nice area of old landscape. We have a kernel on the land. We have another tomb on it as well that's even older. It could be four to 5,000 years old. Then we have a fairy fort, which is the oldest of all. I have a portal to the fairy world where the black thorn meets the white thorn. The fairies appear to me on a lot of occasions, not just to me, but to other people as well. And on this field as well, there is white lady does appear. She's synonymous with this field. I've seen her on a good few occasions, and so has other people. The fairy sends me good luck, and I don't ask them for anything really, but I put it out there when I want something of good for people. And it sometimes it happens, and more times I don't, but... There is, there is a connection with the healings I do and the fairies, I think. The, the Māori in New Zealand call the fairies, they call them patipārehe. That's for the land fairy. And for the ones that dwell in the sea, they're called punaturi. Uh, so we have names for, for, for both types, but they're very much a part of the Māori culture here in New Zealand, just as they are in Ireland. Yeah, I was very lucky to have Mary woman stay with me here two years ago. Oh, and she was a healer from the Marylands. And she was a big interest in the fairies and the fairy culture. Right. She you know all the body paintings of the Mary, you know. Oh, the tattoos, right. So I was very lucky to have her here. She told me a lot about the, the fairies of the Marylands and what they do out there as well and the same they have much and much the same properties as, as the Irish, you know. I would say so. They're from the same dimension, aren't they? Same dimension. They're from the same dimension. Yeah, absolutely. Can I ask you to please explain for my listeners who may not know what a, what a cairn is? I, a cairn is, uh, yes, sorry, I should have explained that. A cairn is where an Irish chieftain is buried. It's a man-made hill. Ah. It's about three and a half thousand years old. Wow. The lands was significant. They were significant 3,000 years ago. And when the railway was going through the property, we didn't own it at the time. The English owned it. When the railway was going through, they dug up seven halibers, which was stuck down in a ceremonial circle 
which the Celts had. What so we hell? know from written, a halibut is a ceremonial sword. Thank you. Used today by the Pope's guard. It only hung on your shoulders, but human sacrifice was huge in those times. Wow. So there in the London Museum, there was a thesis done in 1913 on them. So we, we, know, from, we know from written history as well as, as oral history about the significance of this piece of property. Right. So obviously it's a very, very important and quite a sacred place for a chief to have been buried there. Absolutely. And there is a, a significance of, of him being buried there because beside him in another little hill, there is an old cave or closure. It's like Newgrange and there's a big rock in front of it. There is significance with the energy, the serious energy levels here on this property. And I have a fertility stall on it as well, where people come that can't have kids on that as well. Right. I did see that you had standing stones and the fertility stone. That's very interesting. So it actually makes one wonder how people realise that if they went to the stone, it would help them get pregnant. Like it's the in associated energy of that stone. Well, I, I have a lot of text messages from people thanking me for the healings I done on them and for the stone who has got pregnant. Well, that's really cool. I, it's, it's really private. And I, I used to show an odd piece to people, but I don't bother showing it now because... If people want to believe it, they can. And if they don't, I really don't care anymore. Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. I, I agree with that. And I was reading on an article that was written about you that you, your farm is 60 acres, but that 16 acres of that belongs to the Fae. Is that correct? That is the truth. They belong to the Fae. Although we graze cattle and sheep and horses on that 16 acres as well. Right. It's it's farming land. The fairies loves farming. They 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 really love the traditional way of farming. And I I'm a traditional farmer as 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 as, as good as I can be. Right. You know? Well, of course they would, wouldn't they? Because the fae are all about nature and looking after nature. Looking after nature, animals graze and and healthy animals. And I have. I have one tree in the in that sixteen acres that's a thousand years old as well. Wow! Really? Yeah, yeah. I have a, a massive ash tree. I have a I have a tree that grows without any trunk at all that fell over a hundred years ago, past it, and it still creeps along the ground. And I have a yew tree growing on it. Plus the fact I have a, a lot of white thorns that lives to be five hundred years old. I have a nice selection of these there on that property. And I, I have a little house that the monks had in Kilconnell Abbey. They used it as a little retreat and a healing house a thousand years ago. I hope someday maybe to get a roof on it and use it again as a healing house when I get a few pounds together, you know. Your house, your, your property has so much history attached to it. That's so amazing to me because, of course, New Zealand is such a, a new country compared to Ireland. And I have ancestors myself that come from Ireland. I 
Can you please... You, ex- but your country is new, only new to the white man. Correct. Your country has been, your country has been in existence for, for, for the Maori years, no? Oh, correct. Absolutely. And thank you. Thank you for correcting that. That's, that's uh, what I should have said to begin with, that it's only yeah, been colonised fairly recently. So we, yes. don't, we don't have the history that Ireland does or Scotland does or England does or any of the countries over there do because of that. The Māori do. They have the history that goes way back. The Māori do, and plus the fact a lot of people that immigrated out out of New Zealand, I suppose, and that part of the world, left a lot of their faith tradition behind them because they went out with, a, I suppose, a new religion in their book and uh, practiced new religions out there, you know? That's, that's actually a very valid point, a very valid point. Can you please tell me the significance of the... Sorry, what's that tree called? The white, the white, the white thorn, the white, white thorn. thorn. Yes, the white thorn tree. What is the significance of that and the black thorn? The significance of the white thorn first is is a, a huge medicine tree in the fair tradition. Ah. It's it's the only tree. It's the only tree in Ireland that produces two fruits, one in summer and one in autumn. Wow. And there are two medicine fruits as well. They are heart cleansing medicines. Right. And what is the significance of it to the fae folk? Well, the fae is, was, I, I suppose the fae was a, a huge uh, medicine people as well and had, had the knowledge of, of, of plants of the land. Of course. And one of the great plants of the land is the white thorn. And... Its significance, I suppose, we have a lot of significance lost with it. Even the the, the white thorn flowers, you could make champagne out of it. Oh, wow. We have lost so many pieces of it and the bark of it, you can do so many right. things with it. it. It's a huge medicine tree. It was a huge medicine tree, hugely respected in Ireland. Right. Plus the fact it was a thorn tree as well. A thorn tree... Was 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 a a protector of of one's own little patch as well, you know. Right, of course, of course, that's really interesting. Okay, so so how many generations has this property been in your family for, Patrick? Well, I suppose I can back to my father, which I remember very well into the fairies. I don't remember my grandfather; he'd passed away before when I was too small to remember. But but. My father was a big, a big uh, fairy man, a big conversationalist about the fairies, a big healing man, and man, a lot of things, you know. Right. He was, he, and, and he, I suppose he was like me. We didn't pass any remarks on it. We just got on and done our day's work. People came, you stopped what you were doing, done what you had to do with them and got back to doing. Nothing really much about it. It was just something that, I'd always said we were, we're like good musicians. We just play music. Good musicians just play music when they want to. And we were just doing this when we wanted to gotcha. well. Right. So for you, you've actually known no different. This has been a part of your reality your whole life. 
This is all I know. People looking at fairies and my my land is like looking at traffic in Dublin. You don't pass any remarks on it if you live right. in Dublin. Right, I've got you. And, right, of course. And fairies in my land, I, I, I can't go around the village saying I've seen another lock of fairies yesterday. Nobody passed on me because they're looking over the ditch and they'll probably see them as well. <laughs> you know, so it's nothing. You don't just go around saying, oh, Jesus, now there's something else after seeing. You know, it's just one of these things. And it's just a part of your everyday reality. So you just accept it as it is. Yes, yes. I, I totally understand it's accepted that. as it is. I totally understand that. So can you tell me, please, about about the Fae? What do they look like? The Fae is in the same image as of the person that's looking at them. Most of the time, there's other times they will have changed into animal mm, form. So the shapeshifters, shapeshifters, and my daughter seen the fae there last year, and she's only nine, and she's seen them in horse oh, wow. size. So it's not point and saying what size are the. I've seen them as high as five foot eleven, right. but my daughter has seen them down four foot and three foot. You know, right, but. Most of the time, you will see them in your own image, so you will. Right. Whatever height you are. And there's times then you will see them as hairs and as, as oh, stoats. Wow. So the hair was very significant in Ireland, and so was the stoats. They were uh, well recognised as shapeshifters really? of the faith. That's really interesting. And, and why, is, why those two animals in particular? Do you know? Well, the hare, I suppose, has something that no other animal has. He has right. speed. He has huge speed. The hare has huge speed. And if you if you were out shooting and you shot a hare, he would cry like a child. Oh, wow. If you will, well, yes, he would put the hare stand in the back of your neck. Plus the fact the hare eats nothing on right. her herbs. He's a herbalist. The hare is a pure herbalist. Uh, during, during Ireland, when Ireland's trouble times and we had no medicine, people that had get the flu or get sick would trap a hare and boil them, and the medicine of the, the herbs of the hare oh. would cure you. And as far as for the, 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 the stoat, the weasel, he is a, a ferocious animal as well. He comes from one of the great hunting families okay. of Ireland. He's, he's the dead opposite to the hare. The hare would not harm right. anything. The, the hare will do nothing to, any, nothing to any other animal. He will not kill an animal, hurt an animal, or bite an animal. Whereas the stoat is the other end of the arrow. He's the warrior. Right. And if you, if you kill the stoat out hunting or shooting, uh, all the other stoats would come that night and take him away and bury him. Really? Wow. Yes, and if a stoat didn't like you and he, he was a he became a fairy, he would spit into your, your well or your tea and pollute it. Oh, that's very interesting. Yes, the stoat spit was, was dreaded. The stoat spit was dreaded as an evil thing. So, of course, not all the fae, I guess, like humans, are benevolent or have... Uh, good intentions towards humans? Not at all. 
there, there is the equilibrium. You have the good and the bad. Right. So you have. And you have to... You, people think in the olden days in Ireland, fairies was not allowed into your house. They were not welcome in your house. They were kept out in the fields where they belonged. They were... They, they belonged in nature. Right. They had no business in, in your house whatsoever. The old people in Ireland didn't want them in, in their houses whatsoever. Their place was outside. Is that because you never knew whether they were going to be malevolent or if they were going to be tricksters? Yes. Ah. No one, you couldn't take the risk. Plus the fact they were doing a job in nature. They were nature, they, they were nature spirits and that's where they belonged. Right. I really love the way the Irish people have always lived in harmony with the fey folk, with the unseen realms. That, to me, is so impressive. Now, I've, I also read that you've actually seen a banshee. Can you please explain to my listeners, what, firstly, what a banshee is and then your experience? A banshee is a woman that cries before person dies she's she before a person dies you will hear this woman crying wow. which is not a lot of the churches put the banshee down as an owl withered up hag right but i have seen the banshee as a young maiden and my father explained to me the reason the banshee would come and cry and celebrate death. death was to be celebrated uh a hundred years ago in Ireland or anywhere in England, or didn't make a difference what country, people that would have cancer would be tied to the bed maybe for a week or two before they die, roaring oh, in pain. Right. We had no medicines. Right. None whatsoever. So the village would be minding these people that had been sick, taking turns, shift workers minding them, dressing them, turning them, trying to bathe them with cold water, hot water, whatever it was doing. But say I was changing shift with you tonight and I came in and I said, I heard the banshee tonight crying. The whiskey would be taken down and the fiddle would be taken out and there'd be music played, although the person would be still alive. But they'd know that the people would be going out of this world, out of the terrible pain that have. Oh, wow. So initially the banshee wasn't feared. It was something that was celebrated because it was an end to suffering. It was an end to suffering. There, you often heard it said that there's worse things than dying could happen right. to you. So you can imagine like in, in, in the great wars where people's legs and limbs was blown off with shells and no medicine and the roars of them people right. in pain. Well, the same thing was with people, and I'm only talking about my own area, people that have obstructions with cancer and bowels or breathing difficulty, they'd be roaring in pain. You'd hear them for three miles with roars with pain. Um. And we had no medicine, we had no morphine, we had nothing. We had this pushing and wear off after a month drinking that you'd become immune to it and your body wouldn't take any more right. so when you heard the when you heard the person had come in and they said the banshee is crying there was a celebration it was a celebration of death moving across to the other side and the 
the pain going out of one's body as well. So that's actually a positive thing, and that's a different slant to everything that I've ever heard about the Banshee because my father used to talk about the Banshee and he said it was something to be feared, but actually you've given me a whole different perspective on it. It's something to be feared because people, well, the churches, you see, even today, look at, uh, you know, it's as long as it's broad. Like, what are you going to do, suffer on right. or move to the other side, right. you know? Because, you know, the Catholic Church was, was the main church here in this country, like, it's, you know, rigid, one-track mind, no give, you know. Now it's different now, different times. I'm talking 150, 200 years ago, 100 years ago, 60 years ago. Yes, exactly. Yes, I remember when I was a child and, and yeah, it, it's changed a great deal in my lifetime. It's, it has changed. Brilliant. It's brilliant and, and it's, it's changing for the better. Yes, I would say so. I would absolutely say so. Now, it's changing for the better, but... But our religion, I suppose, our great tradition in Ireland before anything came was the fair religion, really, you know? Absolutely. Then we had the conquest of the Celts and that, you see. So I suppose you can say what you like. Absolutely. So when you talk to the Fae, do you, on the occasions that you've seen the Fae and talked to them, how do they communicate with you? Is it verbally or is it like telepathically? Verbally, verbally. I can speak to them the same as I speak to ordinary humans. Right. And do they give you any like messages or information or is it just like small talk with humans? It's small talk. Sometimes they would. They would give me a little advice on farming. I really don't ask them for much advice. I, I, look at if it if it comes, it comes, and if it doesn't, it doesn't. People says to me, "Why don't I ask them for the lottery numbers?" You know, but ah, why don't I? Is another question. Well, that's I guess that's a respect thing as well because you respect their time and the fact that they show themselves to you. Why would you denigrate that with something so trivial? And money is trivial in this country as well. It's it's a big thing. And the fair look at the they have helped me in the farm and here. I have always sold cattle or sheep at the right time and got out before the slump and the markets. I have I have I'm not poor, but I'm not rich either, you know. Right. But you 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 do okay and and because you are I'm feeling because you value the land because you treat the fae with respect then they in turn will look after you and your animals and make sure that you have what you need absolutely and a lot of people have sent great donations to me now this year to feed animals as well during the winter so that's another way the that's really lovely that's really really lovely yeah a lot of people from all over the world and from ireland have sent small donations and all sorts of donations to help feed animals and buy feed stuff so look at things like that that you can't explain yes that just happens yes that just happens i don't go looking for it it just bloody well happens right 
And I did read that in one article that the Fae gave you advice to sell your cattle before the COVID struck. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. And my uh, and my horses, I had all sold before the big slump came and before there was a serious, uh, serious, serious downturn in the market. So I was very happy coming into the winter wow. months. You know, that's so cool that they look after you like that. It's small stuff. It's nothing. Look at it. It's nothing. Bloody well, I'm not go- going to be driving around on a new BMW <laughs> route. But I'm happy enough doing my own thing. But, you, you know, know, that stuff is trivial to, to the Fae. That's trivial. That's nothing. It's just materialistic stuff. What's important is the land, is the the looking after the land, the the creatures who live on the land, and you would come under that designation. Absolutely, absolutely. And look, at we do have our ups and downs too. There's things that go wrong as well. It's not... Farming is not like a dishwasher. You can't press a button and it starts working. You know, you, there is things will go wrong, and the fair will play tricks with me as well. You know, so that's part of part of the whole right. scenario. Right. So, what sort of tricks have they played on you? Well, I'll just give you a little one example, and and it's only going to be a short one. I could give you a mile of the last. I suppose. Two months ago, three months ago, I lost a crowbar belonged to my father, uh, and it, it, it's not significant. It's not significant value, you, you know. It was only, about, I suppose, you buy one for thirty or forty pounds, you know. But I lost it off the tractor, and we do find things. Myself and Evelyn, we're, we're diviners. We right. can find stuff, but no bloody well, where could we find this? I could not find it, and I was months looking for it. And one day I was walking out the gateway and there it was thrown in the middle of the gateway. And I'd crossed that gate about 20 times in in the in a right. week, you know. Yeah, that, that sounds very familiar. I've heard stories similar to that before. In fact, on my Facebook group, one of my members was having trouble with the Fae, like she was finding things on her farm track that she didn't know how got, yes. got there and yeah little tricks like that it's just part of their nature isn't it they are mischievous part of their nature and it's on it's it wasn't serious the the, the bear itself wasn't worth anything it wasn't monetary it value but it was sentimental yes, sentimental absolutely. value and, and and i found it after about three months and we done myself and everyone we do we searched this paddock like the same as you'd be fishing to that close. We walk in Norway and then it just turned uh, up. Yeah, that's so. And you probably go, <sighs> you probably knew that they took it when you couldn't find it. I knew that they took it and I wouldn't play as then to go looking for it after a while. I wouldn't even right. look for it. You know, I wouldn't even look for it. I wouldn't even bother looking. I wouldn't play as then right, to look for it. Right, of course. Now, you mentioned that you're a diviner. Yeah, we do find water and different things. Right. So, so do you use rods or do you use, like, branches from a tree? Both. We can use both. A- we use either rods rods or, or, or branches, either. It doesn't right. make can a difference. Can you please explain to my listeners what a diviner is and what they do and how they work? They can find water on your property. 
plus the fact they can find things that's lost as well. If, if they want to. We generally don't bother doing it. We might do it for certain things for certain people, but we don't we don't bother making a, a habit of doing it for people, right. you know, because it's not a nice thing you could be asked to find bodies of people that's missing or that, you know. Right. And we don't really we don't really want to bother ourselves with that. There's other people makes a living at that and let them yes, at, yes. you know. We're Put it this way, we're just doing it for farming and we use it for healings as well and different things, but we don't want, like, the police could use us if they wanted to define bodies of that, but we don't want that. We don't want to go down yeah, that I road, totally you know? Yeah, I understand Yeah. Because if you do it for one, you have to do it for some other one. So the handiest so, thing is we yeah. don't do it for anybody, you know? We might do a little bit of fooling for ourselves or maybe a neighbour that would want water found and different things right. like that. So for my listeners, what how this works is on energy. So Patrick picks up the energy of whatever he's looking for. Is that correct, Pat? That's right, yeah. We, we, we pick up the energy and it transfers it into the sticks or into the, uh, into the, the, the copper wire and you know that there's water on And do on you the, feel it... In your body, like a current, or yes. Oh yes, yes. It's it's a thing that uh, a lot of diviners do die young. It it interferes with their hearts and strains oh, their hearts. Interesting. As well. Now that's something that I haven't considered because, of course, you are channeling that energy. So yes, it's electrical. Oh, yes, absolutely. And and the same way with the heat. The same way with the healing. After a day's healing, you spend a day or two in bed. You're not able to right. get up. You're you're not rotten. So it's not as simple as it's not as simple as turning on a button and a radio. Yes, I, to- I totally understand that. As a spiritual sensitive myself, I totally get where you're coming from. And people don't realise the amount of energy that you expend doing healing and and energy work like that. It's a lot. It takes a lot out of your body. And the, the older you get, the more you notice it. Oh, yes. that's I'm 53. And believe you me, I know every every time I do this sort of work, I know I'm after being, being doing it, you know. Yeah, I, I tend to get that. I really do consultations with people anymore because it just drains me so much. It takes me days to, to bounce my energy levels back. Mm. Yes. It takes you. It takes a lot to recharge yeah, really you again. Does. And of course, you. I. One of the significance of your property is is that you have lay a ley line crossing or ley lines crossing it. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. I've ley lines crossing the right. property so as well. That makes it extra, extra uh, of extra importance. Mm. Well. I, well, I suppose that's why the the chieftain was buried there, you see, and, and, and with the fairy fort as well, you know. So they could find these ley lines just absolutely, like I can. Absolutely. You know? And ley lines, for those listeners who don't know, are like, think of it like an electrical current that runs from point A to point B. And a ley line is what transmits that current. Yes. And they crisscross the whole planet. And it's powerful. 
it's a very it's very powerful powerful very powerful can you tell me a bit about the fairy fort pat what exactly is that the fairy fort is it's around it's it's round and it's on top of a hill and it's it's surrounded with uh, uh, yeah. white thorn trees. And there is a tunnel in the centre of mine which I'm looking to have, which is known as the womb of the world. Uh, the fairies appeared here, and on a lot of occasions to a lot of different people. When you walk into this this fort, it's the same as cabin pressure you'd have in an aeroplane you will feel oh, your wow. ears buzz so there's a pressure change there's a pressure change in it it's a serious pressure change it's where the fae live the, they are now there's a lot of forts in ireland but a right. lot of them has no power but this one has great power this one has great great power great energy the white lady has appeared here on a good few so who occasions is this white lady is she like an actual being or is she just a representation of energy i'm not able to answer you that if i could i would i only seen her a few times and she just passes through the fort a few right. times a young maiden with with flowing hair now my daughter has seen her a few times Right, right. That's very interesting. So I, I, I've only seen her. I don't know much about her. I never spoke right. to you her just in seen person. Her in passing. That's really interesting. I, I do understand that that the Fae have a hierarchy within their culture. Some may call them kings or queens or leaders or priests or priestesses. But I understand that they do have a certain hierarchy. Is that correct? Yes, there is the, 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 there is a, a kingdom of hierarchy in the fairies, and I suppose I suppose it's like everything. It's like every army or every culture. There is there is a stepping stones to greatness. Comes age right. and, and honor, you know. So I'm just wondering if this white lady belongs to that hierarchy. I don't know. I, I, I could I could imagine telling you different things, but I'm not going to. I never I never spoke to this lady. I have only seen her passing by me on a few occasions. But this field had right. been known to see her in it. There's there's more people right. than me. There's more people seen her than I have on more occasions. Oh, that's really interesting. And you have you have a lot of visitors come to your farm to specifically to visit your fairy folk. Yes, I have, I have a lot of visitors from all over the world, and I was, as I was telling you, I had a, we do a bit of B and B here, and I had a New Zealand girl stay here with us, Amari. Last she would have loved it. I'm sure she would have. She loved it. She loved it. She loved it. She she absolutely loved it here. No, I have people from America. I have people from, I have people from, all over. I had a representative of the Queen of oh, England wow. stay here. So I had, and I have a letter from the palace thanking oh, really? me for it. So, so I don't make up these stories. A lot of people think I make up these things, but I don't need to. It's all right. Real. And what would be the point of it, really? Because exactly. there's no point. Yeah, there's no point exactly. Because in like talking about these things, you most people are, are, are 
talking about this, you open yourself to all sorts of ridicule and criticism from people who don't believe, and I can't believe that anybody would willingly open themselves to that for something that wasn't real. Yeah, and and, and I suppose if you go back, let's say, a hundred years ago, again in Ireland, like the likes of WB Yeats made the fairies fairly open because before he went with the fairies and experienced them, uh, you would be put into a mental institution by the churches. And I mentioned churches, not just one church. We had a few different churches. We will make no, we'll make no distinction. And uh, W.B. Yeats was a a poet, a famous poet. He had a direct line to the Queen of England and he fought on the IRA side for the Irish independence. And he didn't really care. He came from landed people, but he was with the Fae. He became a great Fae lover, fairy lover, great writer of fairies, great... A great man that opened up the whole fairy That's scene. That's really cool. That's so really cool. Did. I wasn't aware of that about him. I mean, I was aware of his poetry. I've read some of his poetry over the years, but I didn't know that he had experience with the Fae. Oh, yeah. He had actually gone and lived, went to the world at one stage. Wow. So he had. Yeah, he was a special man. But if he was a poor man... He would be put in an of institution. Course. But he was a wealthy man and he was a revolutionary. Mm. So nobody would, he, he couldn't be touched by That's anybody. I wonder if he was chosen because they knew that he was relatively safe. Absolutely. He, I suppose, he was chosen as, I suppose he was a landlover right. first. He loved Ireland, loved her, loved her land, loved her land. Loved her people as he proved when he fought for us. And he could write the songs and the stories mm. about us. And he couldn't be really prosecuted because he was too high up the ranks right. of nobility. very interesting. And Faye has a different ways, I suppose, of interacting with, uh, well, I suppose, even the likes of myself that took on the likes of me to publicly talk about right. it, you know? Because a lot of people wouldn't talk about the Fae in Ireland even today because they're afraid of being stigmatised. The days is gone and it is Hollywood now and, you know, fast cars, fast women and fast yes, horses. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It takes a, a special kind of person to speak out about their truth, to walk their truth, actually. So kudos to you for that. And I, I've been, I come from slightly a different perspective. My, my whole life's journey has been with people from the stars, not so much with the fey folk. But I've always right. known that there are many other realities and beings living around us than, than humanity is is largely aware of. Sure. There is lots of different lots of different elements out there that we know nothing yeah. at all about. And the Fae have always been here. They've always they've always been they and they used to interact more openly with humanity in the earlier days until humans started to become greedy 
and and humanity became greedy and felt that they knew more that they were more important than nature and looking after the planet and they became full of the consumerism that consumes so many of us today absolutely and they were working together with humans for yes, a long time mm -hmm. and then the humans got greedy and tricked them the fae didn't trick the humans to the humans that tricked yes, the fae absolutely that's my understanding completely and so since then they've been more selective about who they show themselves to absolutely to have picked and choose their people of i suppose of land and of nobility and of warrior type you can talk about the three things right. you know so for you and your family obviously it's your life's mission to preserve your land where you are to preserve their sacred space and keep it as intact as you possibly can absolutely well look at i'm only doing what should yes. be done i'm not doing anything i'm not doing anything bloody well different than should be done i'm just doing it normal but now i do have rows with the department of agriculture here when they do tell me that i have to knock knock a teacher i should build a wall stone on the ground i say no the face to leave it that way and that's the way i'm going to leave it and you can't argue with certain yeah, people, you right, know. Right, right. Because they don't understand. It's, it's the most, uh, the drill's yeah. job. Well, of course, bureaucracy doesn't believe in the fae. They just believe in what they can see, what they can touch, the, the laws they have to enforce. Yeah, and not alone that, but they don't agree. They, it's, they know what's, mm. what's wrong. They can see what's wrong. But they still can't say, admit to that, you know. They have to keep going, doing the same old stupid stuff that they're at for the last 20, 30 years. No, no, that's right. not working, you right. know. Right. That must make it quite difficult at times, I imagine. Very difficult at times where I'm farming, but I don't, I, I don't do much explaining to them anymore, arguing with them. I just leave them alone if they want to. If they want to take money off me in grants or whatever, Ever just bloody well, what can I do when I do, do with it? You know, there's no point in arguing yeah, with yeah, fools. I totally understand that. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. So, do you see anything? Have you noticed a difference over the, the last maybe couple of years in how the Fae are interacting or how they seem, or have they let you know of anything that's coming up as far as the planet goes earth changes that sort of thing well i suppose the biggest thing is, is the food the, the the bad food the bad quality of food it's not right. the amount it's the real bad quality of food that was the one thing they have they have uh, put out there to me and, and and not just to me but to other fairy people right. as well you know the, the quality of food it's not the amount of food it's the bad quality of food. And like the chemicals <clears throat> and stuff that are used on it. The chemicals and stuff that's used in it and the water, of course, right. as well. 
our, our well, I only talk for our country, like the pollution of the water here with chlorine and different things. Oh yes, chlorine. And- it's a, it's a, it's a big issue. It's a big issue. It's a big issue in in, in this country, like with the water and the pollution of water well, as well. I think it's the you same know? worldwide. It's the same in New Zealand. I know here where I live, they put chlorine and fluoride in our water. So I absolutely don't drink it. We're we're just. We're the same here in Ireland. We're pumping this stuff into natural water that falls out of mm. the sky. And uh, we have our own well here in the farm. We divined our own well, so we really don't bother government people or their pollution. We leave it to themselves. If they want to kill themselves, bloody hell, fire <laughs> at it, you know. The sad thing is that us regular folk don't get that choice. We don't. Yeah, well, that's the thing. That's that. But people will start have to make choices yes, from now are. on. It's like with this epi- pandemic epidemic. They have to start. They have to wake up now and sw- right. smell the roses. Absolutely. You know? And are you guys like England having to go into lockdown at all? Yeah, we're in lockdown. We're in lockdown. We're talking about more lockdowns. We're in bad lockdowns and half lockdowns and. It's 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 not good. It's not. We're in a bad position at the yeah, present. Yeah, you are. Does it affect you directly or on your farm? Uh, are you managing okay? Ah, uh, look at it's it's slowing me down now. It's slowing down for agriculture at the present minute. We're we're we're, we're actually slowing down agriculture. It's, it is affecting. It is affecting us. It is affecting the farming community. It's affecting the farming community, both mentally as well as financially. Because mentally, we're used to doing Mm. our own thing. And we're not allowed to kind of do our own thing now, selling cattle, selling sheep, moving stock here and there. So it is affecting us. And it's affecting a a lot of the elderly farmers, which used to go to the cattle marts and sheep marts, and they used to use it as right. a day out, which is banned right. now. So it has a big thing. It has a lot of effect on, 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 on rural Ireland. It's really hard, isn't it? And a lot of the small shops, businesses and public houses mm-hmm. will never mm-hmm. open again. Mm. That's really hard, and I'm sorry to hear that. Like We don't realise here in New Zealand how very, very fortunate we are because here in New Zealand – we're just continuing like nothing's going on because for us, we're not affected at this point in time. But, of course, things can change in the future because we shut our borders pretty much as soon as this started. And and for so I do forget how desperate it is for people out in the the, the general world. And, and my heart really goes out to you guys. And I know that for those small businesses and people like yourself who rely on the markets, and it's very, very difficult. And I'm, I'm so sorry for that. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Like, we had no tourists last yeah. year at all from America, Australia, New Zealand. We had none whatsoever international to Ireland relies on tourism here for, for part of our yes, industry. Yes, New Zealand you know? as well. And, of course, we don't have any tourist industry at the moment either because nobody's allowed in the country. So I totally get you on that one. Absolutely. And, and yeah. you know, it, it filters down to every part of the community, doesn't it? 
It does. It does. It's going to be serious, but we'll we'll weather it out. We'll we- look at the big war, world war two. The people of Europe got over it, and we'll get oh, over yeah, this too. Will. Absolutely, no, no doubt about it. And it's just tough while you're going through it, but it's looking at the the greater picture, isn't it? That helps. And for you, the thing is, it's a little bit different. For even though it's affecting you, like financially and emotionally spiritually you have your faith you can hold on to so you have a greater picture than the average person i have i have i have I, that's one yeah. thing i have i have i have i have a little edge on the arm on the other guy up the right street, you know? so that would help a little bit and and that's so very cool Pat, thank you so very much for your time today. I've really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you so much for sharing about your farm and the fay and your knowing. And uh, I know that many of my listeners are going to absolutely enjoy listening to you. And I hope that things pick up for you and yours. Well, I wish you all the best in New Zealand as well. And I hope your listeners enjoy it. want to thank Pat for his time and sharing of his knowledge with us all. I really liked his down-to-earth attitudes and his love of the land and the fay on it. Also for expanding my awareness of knowledge of the fay in that part of the world. Just a note about most of the episodes in this particular series and in the first few next season. Most of the interviews for these episodes were recorded before Christmas. This was because I'm currently dealing with some family issues that require me to be available for my particular family member, so I didn't want our podcast to be disrupted or to suffer. I generally try and record three episodes in advance as a general rule to allow for sickness or some emergency situation so the podcast is covered and there's no disruption for you, my listeners. However, because of this situation, I worked really hard and recorded most of this season's guests with the exception of a couple of the episodes before Christmas. I then edit our conversation and record the intro and closing remarks before I upload them into the queue for your listening. That's also why there's a discrepancy in the sound quality between the intro and the conversations with my guests. My old computer was dying when these were recorded and I had to get a new one. Today's bumper music doesn't have any particular name, simply titled Celtic Female Vocal. Rather hauntingly beautiful though, in my opinion. 
I want to mention my patrons and thank them so much for their ongoing support of this podcast. If you want to become a patron of the show, then head over to patreon.com forward slash mcc15 and sign up now. As a patron, you get access to a special members-only page on the podcast website, www.walkingtheshadowlands.com, from which you can download full transcripts of each episode. You also have access to some early to some interview bits that may not even make the episodes and little extras as I have time to create and add them for you. You also get early access to the shows before everyone else gets to hear them. Also, you have my absolute gratitude and appreciation. So, what are you waiting for? Go to patreon.com mcc15 and sign up now. The continued support of my patrons makes it possible for me to financially cover part of the cost of producing this show for you all. So thank you all so much. If you have any suggestions for topics you might like me to cover in upcoming episodes, then please don't hesitate to contact me. Or if you have any questions, suggestions or any comments that you'd like to make or experiences that you might like to share with myself or my audience. Or if you feel you might be a good fit as a guest on my podcast, then just email me at shadowlands at yahoo.com or check out the Be A Guest page on the podcast website. Check out our Facebook page, Walking the Shadowlands, our Instagram feed of the same name, and our Twitter feed at Shadowlands10. And now we're also on TikTok. Yes, this old woman has joined the TikTok generation. You can find us on TikTok at walking underscore the underscore Shadowlands. So if you're on TikTok, check us out, give us a like and a follow. That'd be great. Like and follow on any of the social media for hints on our upcoming episodes. If you enjoyed this episode, then please leave a positive rating and don't be shy to leave a written review on your chosen podcasting platform or on the podcast Facebook page, Walking the Shadowlands. And of course, so you don't miss out on any episode, make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. This podcast is available on all free podcasting platforms and iHeartRadio as well. Also, if you have Alexa, simply say these four words, open Walking the Shadowlands, and Alexa will play our latest episode for you. If you don't have a smartphone, then you can listen to the episodes from the podcast website, www.walkingtheshadowlands.com. For those hearing impaired, there's a full written transcript of each episode on the website, so you don't miss out at all. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your workmates about our show. Encourage them to listen and to subscribe also. The more, the merrier. Thanks for listening to this episode. Kakite ano oya koi. I'll see you again. Thanks for listening. 